Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm so glad that you're watching today's message. I believe it'll be a blessing to you. I believe it'll encourage you, it'll strengthen you, and empower you to make Jesus famous in your everyday life. Enjoy today's message, and I'll see you at the end of the broadcast. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. It says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation. Say your own. Say not your neighbors. Not the person at the Oscars. Your own. You know, what if we just stop all the thing pieces and put them towards our life? How much further will we be as believers? Work out your own salvation. With fear and trembling, which means respect and in awe. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do you know why that's good news? Because God helps you to want to do right. Because sometimes you just need to be honest with yourself. And Jesus, you do not want to do right. Don't look at me like that. You, there are some areas like, look, Jesus, I don't. You said forgive. I have some other words. I have some other actions. There's some other stuff I want to do. But notice that God lives on the inside of you, Christian, to help you do right and help you want to do right. So when you're in these situations where you don't want to do right, be honest and say, God, I don't want to do right. Help my want to. And then help me do it. Notice what the scripture goes on and says. Do all things without complaining and disputing. Man, that's a word right there. We can go home on that verse and just memorize that. Take it back to kids' world and says, this is your memory verse for the week. Do all things without complaining. We didn't even get to part B of the verse, but do all things without complaining. So I didn't say anything, but you tweeted it. That you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. So so many Christians go, it's so dark in the world. Well, duh, it's the world. The world is dark. Oh, it's so crooked. Well, the world is crooked. Oh, it's so perverse. Well, the world is perverse. Duh. Oh, it's the end times. Yep, it is. Oh, it's getting worse. Well, yeah. And the color of this is blue, white, and yellow. What else is new? So we can either focus on the darkness, which is not our part, or we can focus on being the light. Because, you know, Satan doesn't need a PR team. He has the church. Well, did you see what the devil did? Did you see what he did at that company? Did you see what he did in the news? Did you see? Did you see? Not because you're praying about it. It's something to give you to talk about. We're so obsessed with what's going on in the darkness when we can shine the light and end it. 
It says, whom you shine as lights in the darkness. The Amplified Classic Edition says it this way. That you may show yourselves to be blameless and guileless, innocent and uncontaminated. Children of God without blemish, faultless and unrebukable. In the midst of a crooked and wicked generation, spiritually perverted and perverse. Among whom you are seen as bright lights. Stars or beacons shining out clearly in the dark world. Stars and beacons. You know one of the things about stars and beacons? People guide their lives by stars and beacons. Well, you have a GPS now, but it was just a few hundred years ago that people looked up in the sky to figure out where to go. That's how they knew what direction they were heading in. Can they look at your life and know what direction they're heading in? I'm not saying because you preach to them. I'm not even talking about you being a human doing. You're a human being. We'll get to that in a moment. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. This is who you are. This is your identity. One of the things we've been doing in this No Longer Mere Mortal series is talking about who you are in Christ. You are light. Say, I am light. So well, didn't Jesus say he's the light of the world? True. But he also said, as long as I'm here. Guess whose job it is now? So if the world is too dark, look in the mirror. Because the darkness won't fix itself. Neither will Washington, D.C. So instead of looking to D.C. for an answer, why don't you be the answer? Because you are light. Say, I am light. See, this word beacon, it means a fire or light set up in a high or prominent position as a warning, signal, or celebration. A beacon is a fire or light set up in a high or prominent position as a warning, a signal, or a celebration. Just like stars are high up in the sky. So notice this light is not hidden below somewhere. It's set on high. Say it's set on high. Now go with me to Matthew chapter 5 verse 14. Where Jesus said that you are the light of the world. Matthew chapter 5 verse 14. God has promotion on his mind where you are concerned. Matthew chapter 5. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. If a city is built on a hill, you can't hide that thing. That's how much light you're supposed to be. I remember one time, a group of us were doing a road trip out west. I lived in Texas at the time. We were driving west, and we stopped at all these places, the Grand Canyon. And as we were driving through, it was night, going through the desert. It's dark out there. You think you know dark? It is dark when you're in the desert. Nothing around. But as we came up this hill, all of a sudden, we saw Las Vegas. You went from the darkest desert to the brightest light. Because all those buildings were lit up in neon and all those different colors. It was a difference from the darkness of the desert 
to the light of the city. In your life, you need to shine so brightly that if people are going through the deserts of life, that when they see you, they see light. And you can't be offended when they act crazy around you. You might say, well, why is that? Well, think about this. If you're in a dark room for a long time and someone turns on a light, what's your first reaction? That's why some people act like that when you're around because they've been in darkness so long and you're the first light they've seen. So you can't just react because they acted crazy or they said something off color. When I go to situations and minister to different people and different things and, and I just talk to them and I let them talk. And when they talk, they say some words. You know, a few minutes later, oh, I'm sorry, Pastor. You're okay, man. Just talk. Is that going to, their words going to hurt my spirit? No. Is what they have darker and more powerful than the light that I have that's brighter? Wait a minute. Who's supposed to be more influential? Who's supposed to be more effective? Is it possible that what we have inside is strong enough to impact them? Because we're, you know, some people, and you should live holy. The Bible tells you to live holy. But you're so concerned about catching sin from somebody else. What if they caught holy from you? We got to change how we think about stuff. Ooh, I'm in the darkness. Yeah, you're the light. You're supposed to be there. Have you gotten to a place where you can distribute what's on the inside? God has promotion on his mind. You are the light of this world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Notice it says next, next, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. So if I turn the light on on my phone, I'm not going to just turn it on and put it in my pocket. What's the point of turning on the light in the first place? Jesus is not going to have you become a bright light and hide you away. It's like, oh, the devil will see me. Yeah, he will. He already sees you, but yes, he will see you. So, oh, if I make a stand for God, they may throw me in the fiery furnace. Oh, I make a stand for God. Persecution's coming your way. Persecution's already coming your way. It's already there. But instead of expecting the persecution, maybe, 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 we should just adjust our mindset and expect divine deliverance. Because, yes, the three Hebrew boys were thrown in the fiery furnace. But the story doesn't end there. There was a fourth man who showed up in the fire. So, yes, pressure may show up because you live right. But if the pressure shows up, expect the victory. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Could it be possible, just possible, that you're not supposed to hide a light, but that you're supposed to put it on some type of light stand or lampstand so more people can be affected by the light? Could it be possible, just possible, think about it, think about it, that God may want to promote you 
so that people in your sphere of influence can experience light. Because it goes on and says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So it's a simple question, not a trick question. Where was the light or the lamp placed? On a lampstand. It was lifted up. It was set on high. It was promoted. God has promotion on his mind where you are concerned. Because he wants more people to experience the light. Go with me to Luke chapter 11, verse 33. Because people think, well, it's the preacher who's the light. Well, that's true, because the Bible does call them stars. But it's not just the preacher. And that's not just the prayer mother. It's not just the missionary. It's the body of Christ. See, your works, what has God called you to do? What career has he called you to be in? What field has he called you to be in? That my artist in here, could it be possible that he'll have you create things that radiates light? That whether it's a song, whether it's a film, whatever it is he has you create, it causes light to radiate from it. That it reaches somebody who wouldn't have been reached if you didn't do the work you were called to do. That God just may give you business people, business idea, God idea, concept, and insight that becomes a disruptive innovation that shifts an industry and people want to know how did you do it and all of a sudden you have an opportunity to shine light. Could it be possible that God wants to promote you to shine more light? That one of the reasons or one of the ways God answers the prayers about what's going on in the world is by lifting up his people. Luke chapter 11, verse 33. Because the most innovative place should be the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, why is the world so innovative? Because the church doesn't listen. And the church gets caught up in the past. Well, wasn't it good what we did 100 years ago? Yeah, for then. Think about some of the greatest breakthroughs in technology. Do you think God really wanted that to come from the world? Don't you think he might have tried to give it to his people first, but they wouldn't listen? They say, oh, he's talking to young folk. No, I'm talking to all y'all. None of you are close to Methuselah's age, so you're all young compared to him. Luke chapter 11, verse 33. No one, when he has lit a lamp, puts it in a secret place or under a basket, but on a lampstand that those who come in may see the light. The lamp of the body is the eye. So now he's going to get something a little bit different. And before I read it, I want to say the other thing that was just turned around in my heart over this message. And I'll tell you when I read the verse. I'll tell you in a minute. The lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body is also full of light. But when your eye is bad, your body is also full of darkness. Therefore, take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. 
if then your whole body's full of light, having no dark part, the whole body will be full of light, as when the bright shine of a lamp gives you light. The New Living Translation says it this way. Make sure that the light you think you have is not actually darkness. If you are filled with light, with no dark corners, then your whole life will be radiant, as though a floodlight were filling you with light. And so the other question that I kept hearing echoing in my heart concerning this message to share with you on behalf of your loving Heavenly Father is, can I trust you with the promotion? Can I trust you with the promotion? And one of the ways you can see if you're ready for the promotion is your eyes or your outlook on life. If your outlook or your perception is good, then your whole body will be filled with light. But if it's bad, you'll be full of darkness. And you become what Proverbs says, you'll be wise in your own eyes. And the scripture is more hopeful for a fool than him. Because see, there's so many different ways. I'm not talking about the world. I'm not talking about the people in the world. I'm talking about you, holy people of God. The sanctified who were just shouting a moment ago, I'm talking to you. How's your outlook? How is your eye? I'm not talking about if you're positive or negative, but you should be positive. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what is judging the way you view things. So, oh, the Bible. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. Sunday school answer. Great job, guys. Woo! Bonus points. Is it, though? Because do you really go to the Word quickly or do you go to Twitter? Where are you going quickly? All right, Gen Z, YouTube, because y'all love YouTube. You're looking up, okay, what is the answer for this? You going straight to YouTube or have you actually opened your Bible first? What are you using to make decisions for your life? Christian, follower of Christ, one who bears the name of Christ, what is making the decisions in your life? Oh, no, I'm smart. I went to school. Sure. I'm sure you did. I'm sure you're smart. But the longer you live, you realize how not smart you are. You run to stuff like, you know what? Hmm. That's why the scripture says a person who's quiet seems smart. Because sometimes you might say, well, I didn't run to Twitter, I didn't run to YouTube, but you ran to what you thought you knew. Whether you're educated in the streets or the finest university, you ran into what educated you. And that's your outlook. That's your perception. But is it biblical? Well, I grew up in the church. Well, a lot of people grew up in the church. There's car, you know, people put cars all types of places, but it means a good car you want to drive. Well, that car has been in the garage for 50 years. Yeah, it's been broke 50 years too. Your outlook can't be determined by just where you've been or who you know. But are you actively taking your mindset and submitting it to the word of God? Consistently. And I'm glad you're here on church today. Great job. 
kudos to you and all those watching online. But this is just a couple hours out of your week. And some of y'all watch more Netflix at night than come to you do a church on Sunday morning. I have no problem with Netflix, but if your mindset hasn't been altered and you don't daily check what goes in from Netflix, you'll believe Netflix before you believe the Bible. That's why you don't just let your kids watch anything that's on TV. Say, oh, I trust that channel. I don't. People have said, oh, that's on the channel. I'm sure it is. You need to sit down and watch the episode with them. You determine what your children watch. Not what the experts say. You make the decision. Because are they your ex- the experts' children or your children? Is it the government's children or your children? Because... I thought you had the responsibility to raise them in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. I thought we were going to put things in place and guarantee wisdom and understanding to our children so the streets don't have to correct them. So instead of them listening and watch everything, you sit down and watch too. Oh, pastor, I think the TV show's stupid. It might be, but you watch some stupid TV too. Sit down and watch with them. And if you see something you don't like, correct it. Explain. Well, you know what? That's make-believe. That's not how life works. Have those conversations. Actively listen and pay attention to what they're watching. And actively pay attention to what you're watching. Because you'd be surprised how one season of a show can change how you think about something. Because if you're a skillful writer, you can put that person who's living a way they shouldn't live and make you feel bad for them. They make you cheer for them. By the end of the season, you're emotional attached, you're the champion. And now the show's over, you're thinking, well, maybe that way of living is not so bad. Even the Bible says it's not. It's called skill. But that skill made you drop what the Bible said. How's your eye? How's your mindset? Can God trust you with the promotion? Because Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. But are we letting it light our path? And you may actually get out the word and it shows you what to do. So, oh, look, the path is lit. Let me go off the path. (laughs) And this is a daily thing, not just a Sunday thing. I wish it could be a Sunday thing and I take my Bible, my iPad, wave it over. You good for another seven days. That's not how this thing works. You're going to have to daily get in this word. And every single day and throughout the day and some tough days, maybe through every single minute, make some decisions like, you know what, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do what the word says. I'm not going the way of the world. I'm light. So you know what that word holy means? It means set apart. So that means there are times when you can go the way everyone else is going. And those are the things you especially explain to your teenager. Say, well, I'll be weird. It's worth being weird. Say, well, I won't fit in. Well, you maybe shouldn't fit in. 
One of the things I'll tell you when I was a youth pastor, there's a reason why you go to the parties and that high doesn't work anymore. There's a reason why you can't get drunk with everybody else because you're different. It's why you overcompensate to try to fit in and drink more and smoke more because you're not supposed to be there and every devil in that room knows you don't belong. That's why you feel weird sinning, because you ain't a sinner. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So just because so many people in the world do something doesn't mean you need to do it. Just because a government endorses it doesn't mean it's for you. I thought you served another kingdom. And I'm not advocating for any party, any elephants nor donkeys. I serve the lamb. And some of you need to remember he's also a lion. Since when would you let a president or a governor change what you believe? Well, let Congress and Supreme Court tell you what is right. You're really going to let a government that told you you were three-fifths of a person tell you what the Bible says? You better get in the Bible for yourself. And know what thus saith the Lord. So when the darkness comes at you, you can reply, thus saith the Lord. Because we've been saying what everybody else has been saying. We say what CNN, Fox News, and everybody else says. But what does the Holy Ghost have to say about it? Yes, I'm responsible for saying what he wants me to say here on Sunday, but what are you saying on Monday? Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. What you saying? Can he trust you with the promotion? Go to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. He has promotion on his mind where you're concerned. But can he trust you with it? First Peter chapter 5. We'll start with verse 5. Likewise, or in the same way, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you. So that means you. Come on, say, that means you. Come on, look across the aisle. So that means you. Come on, point at the camera. So that means you online. Everybody online, go ahead and type in in the chat right now. Say, that's me. Go ahead. Well, wait a second. Go ahead. Type in, that's me. Come on. Say it out loud. Type in the chat. Say, that's me. All of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. But God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So that means it, it really matters how we treat each other. Because when James quotes this and Peter quotes this, they're not talking to the world. They're talking to the church. It's that one another principle, prefer one another. Love one another, bear with one another. What does that mean, preacher? Put up with each other. Because somebody puts up with you. Oh, they got issues, yes, and you have a subscription. Put up with each other. (laughs) 
First Peter 5. For God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Another translation, he gives more grace. There's always more grace available. Thank God for it. Therefore, as a result of that, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. At the set time, at the moed, at the season appointed for you. But what you have to do is humble yourself. Now, being humble does not mean saying that you are some lowly worm, unworthy of any good thing. That is not humility. That is stupid religion. Humility is yielding to God's plan. It's yielding to God's word. It's saying, God, you know more than me. If your opinion is different than mine, sir, I take your opinion because I don't think I'm smarter than you. That's humility. Humbling yourself is doing it God's way instead of being full of strife and envy and always trying to get everybody back because what they did to you. You know, if you were successful, you would have been successful a long time. You keep living that way. But now it keeps bothering you. It keeps bothering you. And keeps coming back. You keep remembering all the stuff people did 20 years looking for someone else to get even with. It's not even your mentality. It's that harassing devil on your shoulder that you've entertained and allowed in your house. That's why it's tormenting your child. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Admit the way you're living is not right. Humble yourself. Stop giving think pieces about everybody else's life. Humble yourself. Check yourself. Examine yourself. What do you need to fix? Didn't Jesus talk about that? He's talking about the toothpick in somebody's eye, and you got a telephone pole in yours. So take out the telephone pole, then you can get the toothpick. Go with me to Psalm 75. Can he trust you with a promotion? He has promotion for you, but you need to humble yourself. Psalm 75. For promotion comes neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. But God is the judge. He puts down one and sets up another. And one of God's prerequisites for promotion is faithfulness. You have to be faithful with the little before you're faithful with the much, the scripture tells you. Jesus also said if you can't be trusted with what somebody else is, who in their right mind, the Carrick Butler, the second translation, will give you something that's your own. 
You're shooting for the stars and you should dream big. But are you being faithful with the little that you have now? Can he trust you with the promotion? Like, oh no, I'll just treat this stuff better once I'm promoted. No, you won't. You'll treat that the same way you treat what you have now. Can you, be, can you be found faithful in what he's called you to do? Are you consistent? See, the power is in consistency. The power is in faithfulness. The scripture says the faithful shall flourish. Not the sometimey. The faithful shall flourish. Has he found you faithful? See, in the New Testament, what is synonymous with believer and Christian is the word Faithful. So to the faithful in Christ Jesus. That just lets you know Christian should equal faithful. We're called to be faithful whether anyone's looking or not. Well, I'm only going to be faithful when pastor sees. Jesus sees everything. I can't see everything. Come on, I like to be Batman in the movies. Like, they don't know where I am. I'm in the shadows. I see stuff. As much as I'd like to be Batman, I can't. <laughs> but Jesus sees everything. Are you faithful? Are you consistent? Day in and day out. I'm not saying you don't make mistakes. But when you make a mistake, do you get back up again and go back in the right direction? Or do you throw a pity party and quit for five months? He needs you to be faithful because he has promotion for you. But can he trust you with the promotion? And I also say this. There's a lot of ways to get quote-unquote promoted in this life, and I'm not knocking any of them. You know, with social media, there's a whole lot of algorithms that once you learn, you can make this and make people see your stuff, and that's all well and good. I believe in researching, figuring out all those things. Good, do that. But if you still want the promotion that God has for you, you got to be faithful. Because there's some promotion that comes from God that you can't figure out by yourself. No matter how many algorithms you master, no matter how many degrees you get, no matter how many people you know, no matter if your wig or weave is right, or it's an off day, you just come into the store with your baseball cap pulled to the side so people don't see all the stuff going on under it. So always talking to ladies. Not these days. It could be anybody these days. Because, you know, God can promote you on a day when you think there's no way anything good can happen on today. That you're just running out the house trying to grab something. And all of a sudden, the opportunity you've been waiting for presents itself. And you would imagine in your mind when you gave your elevator speech, you're going to be all dressed, you're going to have all this going on, but now you just came from the gym, you're looking like, oh, I have not, I'm just trying to grab some Gatorade, and you meet the right person. And the door opens. And you're able to share exactly what you need to share. And all of a sudden, it changes like that. You've limited yourself to the way you thought God could promote you. You forgot he's God. You just have to live open. He has promotion for you. I'm telling you, he has promotion for you. 
Go to First Thessalonians chapter 5. on that scripture stop stressing about evil people at work oh my boss is evil first make sure that you're doing things in excellence and not he's not evil because he's correcting your foolishness first do that and make sure you're excellent in that first and have the same spirit Daniel had a spirit of excellence that's why he was promoted but let's say there is somebody in a position of authority at your job who is acting evil and oppressing you. This scripture says God puts down one and sets up another. You do what you're supposed to do and let God be God. I still remember years ago, my mom came home and pulled me and one of my brothers aside. And both of my parents for a number of years worked in corporate America. And so they worked for multiple Fortune 500 companies. And my mom came and pulled me and my brother aside and said, you are going to have to learn how to remove wicked bosses by prayer. We're like, uh, yes, ma'am. And she proceeded to tell us how to do it. Just whatever career you take, you may be in a position where there may be a wicked boss and you're gonna have to remove them by prayer. It served us well in our adulthood years. He said, you really can do it? Yeah, you should do it too. Did God not give you authority, Christian? And notice, in prayer, not going up to their office, knocking on their door and saying, I cast you out. No. <laughs> do not do that. And don't say, well, pastor told me to know. You can go viral and say, I did not tell them to do that. I'm going to play this clip back. I told them, don't do that. What do you do in prayer? In your time of prayer, I said, Father, I'm doing everything I know to do. I'm yielded to you. Now this person is harassing me. But I take my authority and I bind whatever is causing it. This person can remain in their position and do right, or they will be removed. You can even add, there's another churchy phrase I've heard recently, and it works. God bless them just somewhere else. <laughs> I remember one time I did this a long time ago. I got just so fed up with something that was going on, a place I was working. I walked into where I was and said, I'm a tither. This thing has to change. Because the devourer is rebuked for my sake. And guess what? It changed. You have to use your authority. And once you make those statements in prayer, you don't go worrying, oh, what am I going to do, 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 what am I going to do? You're either going to believe what you pray or what you say, so it might as well line up. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 4. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. What day is he talking about? The day of the return of the Lord. So well, the scripture says it comes like a thief in the night. Yes, but it shouldn't catch you off guard. You should live ready. Well, I don't know the day. Just live every day like it could be today. So well, do you think he's coming back today? I don't think so, but I'm going to still live ready. You live ready like you come back today. You plan like it's not coming back for another 100 years, but you live ready like it could be today. You know, when I was a youth pastor, I tell uh, teens, I said, look, this is, 
you don't want the day that you decide to backslide be the day he returns. Talking about, yeah, I'm not going to smoke weed. You had a bad day. You pick it up. Jesus, I didn't inhale. Like, yeah, that's not going to cut it. <laughs> the trumpet blast. Like, this is not what it looks like, Jesus. I was trying to deliver my friend. That is exactly what it looks like. So what do you do? You live ready. First John tells you when you keep this mindset, you will make pure decisions. Because you're thinking, he could come back today. And when he comes back, I want him to find me faithful, not foolish. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Be alert. I know this word gets on a lot of people's nerves. Woke. The woke and the anti-woke are both sleep. So don't you join them in the slumber. You stay alert. You stay awakened in Christ as people of the light and don't let people pull you down into their pettiness, into their vile bitterness, into their cultural wars. You are light. Be the light. Because that's who you are. Because when you read the gospel, it'll make both the conservatives and liberals mad. So they don't get caught up in their bickering. Someone has to be on the news to the election. So don't get involved. I'm not saying don't vote. Go vote. Please be involved. I'm saying don't get involved in the pettiness. Don't get involved in the bitterness. Don't get involved in the outrage. Don't get involved with the unceasing anger. Please don't get involved in conspiracy theories. Lord have mercy. Be involved in this political discourse in this system. But remember who you are. You are the light. One of the things I'm very cautious to do is when I address politics, I'll address it but I'm not blasting any political individual. Why? If I talk bad about them all day long, every Sunday, why would they ever ask me for advice? I'm very cautious and aware of what I say so that when the day comes, and it does come sometimes, hey, pastor, what do you think we should do? They're open to hear because I haven't made myself a Democratic or Republican prophet. I serve on behest of the King of Kings. And both sides need to hear what thus saith the Holy Ghost. And so if you would like to be in a position where, whether you're in the business or entertainment or whatever, and you won't be able to speak to all sides of the room, be cautious with what you say. And post, and tweet, and TikTok, and all the other stuff. Because God wants to promote you. He wants light to shine from you so people in the darkness can be reached. Go to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. Say, I am light. 
Come on, let's say it again. Let's put it in the chat online. Say, I am light. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Now, what do you do? Walk as children of the light. Walk is just a scriptural idiom. It means live this way. All walking is is a series of steps. So continue to make series of steps in the light. It says in Proverbs that the path of the just shines brighter and brighter even to the perfect day, which means that like, just like light keeps getting brighter and brighter to noonday, it's the same way your life is supposed to be. Your brightest light should not be when you got saved. You should be getting brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter every single day of your life. Go to 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. First John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. As James says, there's no shadow of turning, but in him there's no darkness at all. He does not have COVID for you. He does not have cancer for you. He does not have depression for you. He does not have mental illness for you. He does not have poverty for you. He does not have the curse for you. In him is light. So you can trust him with your life. Because his plans for you are good. So his plans for my life are good. You have to understand God knows you better than you know yourself. And if he tells you no in one area, it's because he's got something better. So you single people, before you go to your pop-up event, you should go to the pop-up event, have a lot of fun today. Enjoy yourselves. But when the Lord tells you don't date that person, don't do it. I can change them, Jesus. If Jesus hasn't changed them already, what, what do you think you can do? Your bedroom game ain't that strong. I'm telling you. They just started calling you now because a refund check about to hit. That's why they're calling. They ain't interested in you. If God tells you no, you say no. Well, I'm lonely. It's better to be lonely than married to a counterfeit. And you wake up in the morning, the head starts spinning, they start spinning out green stuff. Verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship or partnership with him and live in darkness, we're lying and we're not practicing the truth. But if we walk or live in the light as he is in the light, notice that, as he is in the light, we have fellowship or partnership with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. In your daily decisions, you always want to line up with the word of God. And in areas where there is confusion, you always want to do in the best of your ability to choose the light. Even in gray areas, choose the light. Why? I like what my friend David Winston said this way. He says, all gray is is a lighter form of darkness. Always choose the light. Always side on the side of the light. Always side on the side of the word. As close as you can get and figure out, you always side on God's side. God honors that. 
even when you make a mistake, even if you're trying to do right and you're sitting on the right side and you did something stupid in the process, God can fix it. You just, with the best of your ability, you follow after what God is telling you to do. And where you make a mistake, he covers it. Because sometimes you'll make a mistake, you don't even realize you made a mistake. How many of you years later realize, like, oh, I did so many mistakes. How did I even make it? The grace of God and the mercy of God. Now that you've progressed some, you realize don't do what you did in the past. Don't do it. You know better. So do better. Walk in the light as he is in the light. Go with me to the next chapter, 1 John chapter 2. First John chapter 2, starting with verse 9. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in the darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides or lives or dwells in the light, and there's no cause for stumbling in him. So notice one of the things you got to realize with this. You can't hate people. Nobody. Not a one. Especially if you want your prayers to be effective. Because when we're talking about praying for this geopolitical conflict that's going on and some evil things that are happening in some parts of Africa and some parts of Eastern Europe, there's some, some horrible things happening. But if you want your prayers to be effective in changing the course of those things, you can't hate the people who are doing the oppressing and the evil things. You hate the action. You hate the darkness. But you don't hate the people in the darkness. Because the Lord will tell you to pray for that person. So, well, God, I don't even know what right things to say about them because if I, you don't want me to say what I really want to say. Because my own prayer, strike them down, Jesus. Lightning bolt. Air Jesus, put them some Jordans, fly down here, and bah! That's what my wish and will is, oh, dear Father. But you know that's not how God wants you to pray. So what do you do if you don't know how, you don't know what or how to pray in a situation like that? You pray in the Holy Ghost. You pray in other tongues. You say, sir, I lift up this person to you, and I'm trying to pray right by them, but I don't know what to pray, and I'm having a hard time praying. So I lift them up to you, and I pray in the Spirit. When I pray for world leaders, especially ones who I don't like their actions, one of the things I start with, like, God, this person's not hard for you. You dealt with Pharaoh. You dealt with Nebuchadnezzar. And these dudes ain't even close. So I lift them up to you and ask that you deal with their hearts. You know how to reach them, so I ask that you reach them. And by that point, I've run out of my English, so now I'm going to pray for them in the spirit. I'm telling them, if you want your prayers to be effective, you can't hate people. Especially groups of people. Well, don't you know history? Yes, I'm very well studied and learned in history. Well, don't you know what happened in this nation? Yes, I do. I could take you all some field trips, which I might. I like field trips. I like history. I'm a history nerd. I love this stuff. But I understand that hatred is not the path forward. Vindication is not the pathway forward. The pathway forward is reconciliation. 
that if this nation's ever going to be what it's supposed to be, the body of Christ is going to have to join arms with every different ethnicity, every different color, and stand up and say, we represent Jesus no matter the shade of our skin. We celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ, and together we'll get this nation on track. Until we do that, there's going to be a whole bunch of foolishness. You can't hate people. Because if you do, you'll live in darkness. Go to Romans chapter 13. And that's almost done. Maybe. Possibly. It could happen. Romans 13. Romans 13, verse 8. Owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there's any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this knowing the time, that now is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us. Remember, who's he talking to? Come on, it's not your question. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the church, right? Therefore, let us, all of us, church people, Christians, believers, sanctified folk, holy people, those going to heaven with a mighty burning fire, us. Therefore, let us. Cast off the works of darkness. And let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly. Let us live properly as in the day. Not in reverie and drunkenness. Not in lewdness or lust. Not in strife and envy. And he said, well, what is that revelry? We don't say that word. He's talking about clubbing. I'm so bad. Can I have the clubs back open? You don't need to be there. It might have been the safest thing of your life for COVID to happen to shut down that club. You don't need to be there. Because you ain't going there trying to be the light either. Mm -hmm. The only person you're fooling is yourself. Verse 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Go to James chapter 4 verse 1. The other time he talked about God lifting you up. James chapter 4 verse 1. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Who's he talking to? The church. Y'all know who James is, right? Jesus' little brother. Who is Jesus' little brother talking to? The church. Where do wars and fights come from among you? So, oh, the church is messy, just like the world. So don't leave the church because messy people are here. You messy too. It's okay. Let's, we're working on it together. We're all working on it together. So we're working on it together. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and cover and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. And you ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, talk. Y'all think I was tough today. James is letting them have it. Do you not know that friendship with the world 
is enmity with God. And he's not talking about having friends who are not saved. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about being in covenant with darkness and loving the ways of darkness and following the ways of darkness. He's recalling Old Testament terminology when the people of God, whose people? God's people. Say God's people. Would turn away from God and follow Baal. And he would call, and God would say, you're cheating on me. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace. So after all of that, pretty much saying, cut that out. And you're wondering, how am I going to cut it out? He gives more grace. You're not in this by yourself. I'm not preaching a self-help behavior modification seminar. The only way we can do this is with the Holy Ghost. The only way we can live right is by the Holy Ghost. And notice how many scriptures we talk about walking in love already. Because if you think you're holy and you're judging everybody else, and no one can feel any type of love coming from you, you ain't as holy as you think you are. Because there's a way to live this way where sinners want to be close to you. Because if sinners don't want to be close to you, you're not as much like Jesus as you think you are. Jesus never compromised. He lived holy. He fulfilled his Father's will, yet sinners wanted to be close to him. And he never compromised. He never turned. His life drew them in. Your life is supposed to draw in the sinner. That's why people are going to come into church smelling a whole bunch of different ways. Smelling like a whole bunch of different drugs. Yeah, they lit up in the parking lot because they're so nervous about coming to church. Come on. Sister Kay used to say, bring your alcohol too. Bring your drugs. You can leave it on the altar before you go, but come on, bring it. Yeah, people can come to church not looking or smelling or acting churchy. So don't judge them for it. Well, don't you see their outfit? They're trying to steal my husband. Ain't no one looking at your husband. Just stop. Just stop. Just stop. Could it just possibly be that they wore the most conservative outfit they had in their closet? that they were suddenly driven by the need to come to church and they picked out something and that's the best they had and they already felt nervous about coming to church and they finally made it here, but you're looking, mm. I can't believe they wore that at church. Well, why don't you, prosper person, take them on a shopping spree? If you got an opinion, put your money where your mouth is. Be a blessing. All you people in here are fashionistas, let the Lord use your fashion taste. God gives you gifts for reasons. He said, oh, I can help. I can dress anybody. So you know what? We're going to be a blessing today. Let's all go to the mall. Well, I don't like malls. I like Amazon. Boop, boop, boop. Pull it up. Where were we? Yeah, he gives more grace. There we go. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, 
but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Sometimes the devil doesn't flee because your submission has been called into question. How much you submitted to God in his word. And sometimes he doesn't flee because you ain't been resisting. So you need to submit, then you need to resist. You say, well, the Bible's so big, there's so many things to submit to. Well, just start with, what is the last thing God been telling you to do? Oh, I don't want to do that, Pastor. That's why the devil ain't fleeing. Submit to the last things God told you to do and resist and watch that devil run. He becomes a track star. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. He is going after them. But it doesn't end there. Because it says, humble yourselves on the side of the Lord, and he will lift you up. So Peter was talking to a group of people who needed a few corrections and told them, humble themselves, and God will lift them up. James was talking to a group who needed a whole bunch of corrections. But it still ended with the same way. God will lift you up. God has promotion on his mind for you. And he wants to know if he can trust you with that promotion. And one of the things he's going to do this week is point out some areas of your life that need to be altered. Some things that need to be tweaked. And I say he's going to do it publicly and thank God. Aren't you so glad God doesn't deal with you publicly? Ooh, thank you, Jesus. So you shouldn't be dealing with other people publicly. It's like, well, did you see what they did? Did they see what you did? So he's going to talk to you in your own time, in your own way, and he's going to point out some stuff. You just need to be quick to say, yes, sir. Sir, yes, sir. Say, I don't even know how I'm going to do that. You say, sir, yes, sir, help me. I'll do it, sir. You're just quick to say, yes, sir. You're quick to repent and quick to ask for help when you need help. Ask God to help you. To go, oh, I need accountability. You know what? We have a church number. Isn't it 770-433-8800? Wow. You know, it's a, and we had a website, too. And an app. And faith communities. You know what? Single people, you're trying to live holy. There's a single event right after church today. They're going bowling. They're not preaching. I've already preached to you. You go bowling, eat, meet people, stay holy. Men of faith, we got something tomorrow. Food, lots of it. And it's free. You know you're going to be hungry Monday night after traffic. Come on. We need each other. If anything we're taught over the last two years is how much we need each other. We're not in this by ourselves. And we're all going up together. So let me specify the promotion God has for you. Because this is the other thing that was rolling around in my heart this week. It's regional regional promotion. So say it this way. If the company you work in and your authority level is more local, expect promotions that's going to take you to regional influence. You say, well, that's skipping over a few levels. Expect it anyways. God has regional promotion where you are concerned. 
He wants to be able to trust you with it. It's regional promotion in natural things. It's regional promotion in spiritual things. That when you begin to pray and say things, the spirit realm around this region begins to change and react to what you do. He has regional promotion for you, for your realm of influence. That's what he's working on for you. That's why he's going to deal with you over the next few days about some stuff in your life so that you can make those alterations so that he can trust you with the promotion. So that when he lifts you up, that light shines to people in your sphere of influence. That they have another opportunity to choose Jesus. That they see your good works and praise your Father in heaven. It's not your job to figure it out because some of you are analytical. You are saying, well, how's he going to do that? He's got that. Ah, stop. That's not supposed to be your focus. So analytical people, just calm down for a second. That's not your focus. Your focus is to make sure you're ready for the promotion. Make sure he can trust you with the promotion. You do the things he's talked to you about today in this message, and over the next few days, you do those things and let God do his thing. Because he will prepare you. He will get you ready. He will show you things to come. He'll lead you to do stuff that you don't know why. Why am I even studying this? People in college are like, why am I studying this? Because you'll need it later. And I remember years ago, people asked him, they like, you know, he's called to preach. Why is he a media major? I was a broadcast journalism major in college, and I minored in a business. People are like, why is he a media major? He's called to preach. Well, when 2020 happened, so we know why. So well, how did you run an online church? It felt like I went back to college. I pulled out my laptop and my iPad and went, well, time to do some editing. I was prepared. I didn't know a global pandemic was coming 15 some odd years ago. I didn't know that was coming. But he prepared me. And I was ready. So he'll lead you to do stuff that you might say, well, I don't know how that fits. Just trust the Holy Ghost. Follow his leading so that when the time comes, you are ready. You're ready for the promotion because God has promotion on his mind for you. Amen. I believe today's message encourages you, it's strengthening you, it's helping you to live the lifestyle of faith. If you're ever in the Metro Atlanta area, we'd love for you to worship with us in person. You can find information about our different locations at fccga.com. Also, we have so many different ways where you can get the word. You can download our Faith Plus app. You can also visit us on our social media pages on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook on YouTube. We love for you to connect with us. We also have a podcast on Apple Podcasts as well as on Spotify. We have two. One is called the Faith Podcast and then we have our daily devotional podcast which is called Faith in the Morning. I look forward to seeing you on many different social media platforms and in person at Faith Christian Center. Thank you so much for tuning in and remember something good is going to happen to you today so expect miracles. God bless.